Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you if you would to remain standing, but I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, if you don't have a paper copy. Some of you don't even really know what that is. Get your iPhone, your iPad. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Today we're going back to the story of Passover in Exodus 12. Passover, a lot of people look at it as a vindictive story. It's a story of vengeance, God getting even with Pharaoh. But it's more than a vindictive story, it's a story of redemption. And in Passover, we see some pictures of the work that God wants to do in your life and in my life through the power of the blood of Jesus. This is our fourth week to be talking about the power of the blood. And today I want to talk to you about the pictures of Passover. Now, there's so many pictures in the Passover story of what God wants to do in your life and mine through the blood of Jesus that we wouldn't have time to look at all those pictures today, but we are going to look at four. But begin reading with me, if you would, in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Remember that. That's important. He said, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it, according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep that lamb until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill the lamb at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts of the lintel of the houses where they, they, they eat, on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw. Do not boil it with water because that's what pagans would do. They would eat it raw. Do not boil it with water because if you boil it, it has a tendency to come apart and you gotta keep the lamb whole. And he said, you're to roast it in fire in its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning and what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. This is how you are to eat it. I love this. With your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And then he says, on that same night, I'm going to pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring drug judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And the blood, the blood, the blood of the Lamb will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And this is a day, Passover, that you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Father God, open our ears, our spiritual ears that we may hear clearly from you today what you want to accomplish in each and every one of our lives. Touch our ears, Lord. Touch our heart, Lord, that we may be receptive and not rejective to your word today. 
We are your servants, Lord. We are listening. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. This story of Passover in Exodus chapter 12 is one of the most beautiful stories. It may not seem like it on the surface, but it's one of the most beautiful stories of redemption that you will read, not just in the Word of God, but I think it's one of the most beautiful redemptive stories ever given to us. Because in the story of Passover, as I said, there are some pictures of some things that God wants to do in your life and in my life. And the very first thing that we read in this passage of Scripture that God wants to do for every human being on the face of the earth is God wants you and I to experience a new beginning. Listen to what he said to Moses and Aaron while they were still in Egypt. He said, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now here's what God is saying to the nation of Israel. He said, life as you have known it up until this point, it's about to change. Some things are about to change for the nation of Israel. Now, we'll talk about this more here in just a moment, but think about this. Up until this time, the nation of Israel had been a nation of slaves. For 400 years, they've been slaves in Egypt. For 400 years, they have been in bondage to Pharaoh. And they get to a place to where they just cannot take it anymore. And they cry out to God. And God hears the cry of those Israelites. And he responds. And he tells Moses and Aaron, he said, I'm about to do something that's going to mark something new happening in the lives of the nation of Israel. So he said, from now on, this shall be your beginning of months this shall be the first month of the year to you now let me just say to everybody in this room here today if you have not yet experienced it that god desires you to experience a new beginning that if life to this point has been a life of bondage and if life to this point has been a disappointment, if life up until this point has been one defeat after the other after the other, one disappointment after the other after the other, God wants you to know today. Listen, I sense this in my spirit, that today God wants to do a new work in your life. And God wants you to believe that life as it has been up to this point does not have to continue the way that life has been. God can give you a brand new start. And with that brand new start, he gives a new identity. Because look at what he says to the nation of Israel. He said to Moses, he said, speak to all the congregation of Israel. You say, well, what's so special about that? Well, up until this time, the nation of Israel has only been referred to as the Hebrews according to their ethnicity. Or they have been referred to as the sons of Israel, referring to their descendants. God said that I'm about to change everything about you. I, I, I'm about to, life as the way that it has been is not going to be that way anymore. And with that is going to come a new identity. And for the first time, God refers to the nation of Israel, not as Hebrews, not as the sons of Israel, but God refers to them as the congregation. Now, now you, you and I should know that when we go into the New Testament of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we see God's desire to give you and I a new start, a new beginning. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, because you see, that's where the new beginning starts for us, is when we are in, when we get in Christ, 
Christ, when we enter into a relationship with Christ. And he said that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. And with that new beginning comes a new identity. Peter talked about it in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he says you are now a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people to show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous And then he says, once you were not a people. You were like the nation of Israel who were slaves and in bondage to Egypt and to Pharaoh. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God because of the mercy of God. I'm telling you this morning, no matter where you are in your life, no matter where you are in your relationship, no matter where you are in your job situation, God can turn things. I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear me this morning. God can turn things around in your favor. God can change. You may not be able to erase your past, but what you can do is you can start a brand new beginning. You can determine how things are going to end up in your life. Somebody ought to thank God that there's power in the blood of Jesus today to give us a fresh start, to give us a new beginning. And where does that new beginning start? It begins with redemption. It begins with salvation. And that's the second picture that we see here in Passover. That not only does God want to give us a fresh start, but he does it by inviting us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Look look at this passage of scripture here in Joshua 24 and 14. And I'm pointing this out because it's important for you and I to understand that it wasn't just the Egyptians that needed redemption. The nation of Israel also needed redemption. The nation of Israel was also living in sin because they had been in Egypt so long that they're now worshiping the gods of Egypt. And so Joshua, when they're going into the promised land, Joshua says to these Israelites, he said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods, the idols that your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River. And where? In Egypt. You see, they had carried these gods of Egypt with them when they come out of Egypt. And now they're trying to take these Egyptian gods with them into the promised land. And and Joshua said, no, that cannot happen. You've got to get rid of those gods and serve the Lord. And then he made this statement that we've heard. He said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. That's a decision that everybody in this room today has to make for themselves. He said, you've got to choose whether you're going to serve the gods of your ancestors that served beyond the Euphrates, which was the gods of Egypt, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But he said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Every one of us has to make that decision today. Who are we going to serve? And hopefully your choice will be what Joshua's was, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every one of us has to make that decision. Every one of us has to make that choice to serve the Lord. And it was the so with the Israelites. Notice what God tells them here in Exodus chapter 12. He told Moses, he said, I want you to speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. Everybody say a lamb. According to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Now we know that this lamb is a picture of the lamb of God who had come to take away the sins of the world. John the Baptist identified him on the day that Jesus was being baptized when he looked up and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So this Lamb is a picture of the Lamb of God, a picture of Christ. And then he goes on in verse 4 and says, your Lamb shall be without blemish. And how many of you know that Christ lived a perfect, sinless life? 
that Christ was tempted in all ways like you and me, yet he never sinned. He was a lamb without spot and without blemish. And he said, it's got to be a male of the first year. He said, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day. Now notice he said, you take it into your house on the 10th day and you keep it and kill it on the 14th day. So that's four days. I talked about this a few weeks ago. That's four days that that lamb would have been in that house with them. And no doubt by then the kids would have probably started treating that lamb like a pet. They would have loved that lamb. And when it come time to slay the lamb, the kids would have probably said, but daddy, we love that lamb. That lamb is our pet. Please don't kill the lamb. And I believe that God wanted us to have a little bit of an idea of what it felt like for him to have to give up his only begotten son to die in your place, in my place. And then he said that the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill the lamb. Well, we know that the lamb of God was killed. The lamb of God was slain for your sins and for your redemption and for mine. And then we go on to verse 7 and it says that you are to take some of the blood and you're to put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And he said, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and I'm going to strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. I'm going to bring judgment on all, all the gods of Egypt because I am the Lord. And then he said, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, now listen, this is so important. It's not when I see the doorpost that the blood is on. It's not when I see the door that the blood is on. It's not when I see the house that the blood is on. It's not when I see the people who are in the house that the blood is on. He said, when I see the blood, oh, that ought to tell us something here today that you and I that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and you and I that have appropriated his blood in our lives and we have experienced what the power of the blood has the ability to do in our lives. God wants us to know that when he looks at us he doesn't see us when he looks at us he doesn't see my faults he doesn't see my failures he doesn't see my mistakes he doesn't see my shortcomings as a child of God what does he see he sees nothing but the blood hallelujah I'm telling you that's good news here this morning that ought to release you from a whole lot of condemnation in your life today. Because when God sees you as a blood-bought child of God, he doesn't see what's behind the blood. He just sees the blood. That's why you and I have got to be covered. we got to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And he said, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. I like that term, pass over over you. Some of you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for things passing over you. You wouldn't be here today if that car accident hadn't passed over you. You wouldn't be here today if that bullet that was fired had not passed over you. There are some things that if not for the grace and the mercy and the power of the blood of Jesus would have taken us out but because of the blood of Jesus that's been provided in our lives and applied to our lives there's just some things as a child of of God that's going to have to just pass you over. Look at your neighbor and say, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. Oh, I've come to preach this morning. If you've come to just hear a lecture or a motivational speech, you've come to the wrong place. I believe God is going to do something in this room before we leave this house today. Why don't you just go ahead and thank him in advance? Hallelujah. He said, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. No destructive plague is going to touch you. And what was the destructive plague that was coming through the land? The, 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 the death of the firstborn, the death angel. Death was coming to visit Egypt. And God told his children, he said that if you want to 
be protected from that death angel. You've got to make sure that you're covered. You've got to make sure that you're protected by the blood. That's why, folks, at the end of time, listen, that's why for you and I, judgment has already happened. You, you, go, back to, you, you go back to Genesis chapter 6. When God was about to send a flood on the earth, what did he tell Noah to do? He told Noah, I want you to build an ark. And he said that when the rain of my judgment begins to fall, he said, I want you to take you and your family and what I want you to, he said, I want you to put them in the ark. Listen, the rain of God's judgment came, but instead of falling on Noah and his family, the rain fell on the ark. The ark took the judgment for Noah and his family. Jesus is my ark of safety. Jesus is your ark of safety. That's why the Bible talks so much about us being in Christ. Because at Calvary, God's judgment came. God's wrath for our sin came upon Jesus. But because you and I are in Christ, we don't feel the direct blow of God's judgment. Why? Because Jesus, our ark, took the judgment for us. Jesus, our ark, took the wrath of God for us. What am I trying to tell you? I'm telling you that when you are covered by the blood of Jesus, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Every one of us deserve to die because of our sin. But the gift of God is eternal life. You see, when you're under the blood of Jesus, Jesus died in your place. Jesus was the substitutionary atonement. Jesus was the lamb. And when a lamb's blood would be shed, the life of the, 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 life of the creature is in the blood. And when the blood of an animal would be shed for the atonement of the sins of the people, it was as if that animal was giving its life, the blood that has the life, the blood was shed, giving its life so that someone else could live. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, he became our substitute. We should have died on that cross, but Jesus took your place. And Jesus took my place. Hallelujah. And he died in your stead. I deserve to die, but instead, because I'm in Christ, I will live, and I will live eternally and forever because of the blood of Jesus. Somebody get happy with me here today. Hallelujah. He said, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. Salvation. That's where this new beginning, that's where this new start begins. Oh, but that's not where it ends. That's just where it starts. You see, God wants to save us out of in order to bring us into God does not set you free just for the sake of being free. And listen to me, God doesn't set you free to do your own thing. But what God sets us free to do is what we ought to do, not what we want to do. Because do you remember when Moses went and stood before Pharaoh? And he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, that's a bringing out. And if we're not careful, that's where we stop. But notice what else he said. He said, let my people go so that they may go into the wilderness and worship me. You see, God wants to deliver you out of, and that's the third picture that we see here. The third picture that we see in this story of Passover is the picture of deliverance. It's, it's the picture of freedom. Because listen to what the scripture says here in chapter 12, verse 8. It says that when they eat the Passover meal, they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire. But notice, they were to eat more than the flesh. You remember Jesus said in John chapter 16, he said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has my life in them. And that's what he's speaking of here. When we accept Christ, when we receive Christ, that's the eating of the flesh. But he said, you're also to eat it with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. And that is significant. That says something to us. And we're going to look at that in a moment, what that means. But before we do that, notice what verse 11 says. Verse 11 says that also when you eat this Passover meal, you are to eat it 
with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Mm, I'm telling you, somebody's about to experience a suddenly moment in this room here today. Somebody's about to experience a moment that you've been praying for, you've been waiting on, and it hasn't happened yet. But just like God with the nation of Israel, God rose up when he heard the cry of the nation of Israel. And he said, okay, enough is enough. We're not going to allow this to happen any longer. And I'm about to tell somebody in this room here today that you're about to experience a suddenly moment from God. That God is about to do something in your life and he's going to do it quickly. He's going to do it suddenly. It's going to amaze you how quickly God is about to move and how God is about to change a situation in your life. Because notice what he said. He said, when you eat this meal, that when God gets ready to deliver you, when God God gets ready to bring you out. He said, you've got to eat this meal with your cloak tucked in your belt. In other words, you've got to reach down and pull your cloak up, tuck it in your belt because it's time to run. And you don't want to trip when it's time to run. And he said, not only that, just put your cloak in your belt, but put the sandals on your feet. In other words, get your running shoes on. Get your Nike Airs on. Get your trail runners on. Get your running shoes on. And then he says, and get your walking stick in your hand and get ready to eat it in haste because when God begins to do a work and God is ready to do a work there ain't nothing slow about God oh somebody needs to receive this here this morning and here's what I believe. I believe that if you are really desperate to be free, I believe that if you are really desperate to be delivered from your bondage and from slavery to the enemy, that when it's time for you to move, you're not going to hesitate, but you're going to be ready to move when God says move. You're going to be ready to leave when God says leave. You're going to be ready to go when God says go. Is there anybody ready to go with God this morning? Is there anybody ready to travel with God today? Anybody ready to take a journey? with God today oh hallelujah hallelujah oh you better get ready you better get ready but then notice notice back to verse 8 he said they shall eat the flesh of that lamb on the on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread now listen we're talking about power in the blood to deliver power in the blood to set free and he says that when you eat this meal, you're to eat it with unleavened bread. Unleavened bread is bread that does not have yeast in it. That's important because of what verse 15 says. It says, for seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. What does yeast represent? It represents sin. Because like yeast, sin spreads. Yeast causes the dough to rise. Sin causes you to get puffed up. Mm, that'll preach right there. And he says that as you prepare to be delivered, as you prepare to move into your freedom, you got to deal with sin in your life. Notice he said, eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast. When? On the first day. Remove the yeast from your houses. And whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off because that's what sin does. Sin cuts us off. Sin separates us from God. And he said, so as you are on your way out, you've got, if you want to be free and free indeed, you've got to get rid of the sin in your life. You've got to get rid of the sin in your marriage. You've got to get rid of the sin in your family. You've got to get rid of the sin in your home. You've got to get rid of the sin. There is no place for sin in the life of a child of God. If you want to be free and remain free, you've got to deal with the sin in your life because sin will keep pulling you back into bondage. But notice he said, not only do you eat it with unleavened bread, he said you eat it with bitter herbs. Look at that, look at that, with bitter herbs. What does bitter herbs refer to? God said, every time you eat this meal, eat it with bitter herbs because I want you to remember how bitter bondage was. I want you to remember how bitter life was. 
when you were back there in Egypt. Now, now, let's talk about this just a minute, okay? Because we got a lot of folks in this room here today. A lot of us. We've been saved. But a lot of saved folks still in bondage. So we need to talk about this. Let's, let's think about the nation of Israel. Let this sink in. They had been slaves for hundred years they had been in bondage to Egypt and to Pharaoh for 400 years that's longer than our nation is old I mean if you go back to 1620 when the Mayflower first came yeah it's about 400 years but if you go back to the the the, the independence of our nation of 1776 then then they were in bondage longer than our nation is old so what does that tell us that tell us not only were their children in bondage their parents were in bondage their grandparents were in bondage their great-grandparents were in bondage. Perhaps their great-great-great-grandparents were in bondage. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is this. Bondage was all they ever knew. Being a nation of slaves was the only life they ever knew. For them, normal was bondage. Do you know that there's some people in this room here today that for them bondage is normal because it didn't start with their generation not only are they in bondage their parents were in bondage their grandparents were in bondage their great-grandparents were in bondage their great-great-grandparents were in bondage I think this is the reason why when the nation of Israel finally broke loose from Egypt and they were out there wandering in the wilderness I think that's why so many times they wanted to go back to bondage they wanted to go back into slavery they and here's what they said and this is why they had to eat the bitter herbs because they forgot how bitter the bondage was in Egypt and they forgot that Egypt was not nearly as good as they remembered it being and so God wanted them to be reminded of the bitterness of bondage of the power of bondage in their lives and so they were reminded of this on a daily basis because, listen, listen, to them it was normal. To them it was comfortable. To them, asking them to leave a life that they had always known and it was a life they had ever known would require a tremendous amount of faith. And that's why some of them would have thought, well, I would rather stay here in my bondage that's familiar to me that's comfortable to me that is something that I know it's something that I understand I would rather stay here than take this step of faith to believe in a God that I don't really know and believe in a God that I cannot see do you understand what they're up against here so it required an enormous amount of faith but all of the sudden, Moses and Aaron come with a word from God saying, get your cloak tucked in. Get your running shoes on. Amen. Get your walking stick and be ready to move in haste because God is about to deliver you. God is about to set you free. And they're thinking, you mean tomorrow when I wake up, I can actually decide for myself what I'm going to do with my life? Children probably started thinking, you mean that I, I can actually dream about a future? Because up until that point, they just knew my future is going to be what my parents was and, and, and what my grandparents was and what my great-grandparents were. But now they're given the opportunity to dream of what life outside of bondage could be. And so God told them, he said, I want you to add these bitter herbs because I don't want you to forget how bad the bondage was back there in in Egypt and did you know that you and I if we're not careful we can forget how bitter bondage was 
We can forget how bad bondage was. First of all, I want to say this. How many of you believe that if there's power enough in the blood of Jesus that can set free a nation of slaves, a nation of people who were in bondage and had been that way for 400 years? If you believe that God can set a nation free that had been in bondage for 400 years, how many of you believe that there's power in the blood of Jesus to set you free today? Amen? I mean, if he can set somebody free that's been in bondage for 400 years because some of you think I've been in bondage so long I'll never get out of this I've been in captivity so long I'll never get out of this I've been miserable for so long and depressed for so long I'm never going to get out of this listen if God can deliver a nation after 400 years of bondage I'm absolutely sure that there's power in the blood of Jesus to set you free today to deliver you from whatever hang up habit hurt or, or, or bondage you may be attached to today. Oh, somebody give God a good praise in the house. But if we're not careful, we're just like the nation of Israel and we forget how bad things were B.C., before Christ. Listen to what God had to say to the Israelites here in Deuteronomy 15 and 15. He said, remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Now, why would he have to tell them that? Because they had forgotten that they used to be slaves, that they used to be in bondage. And now, they're wanting to hold others in bondage, people who had owed them money who in the seventh year they were supposed to forgive the debt and when the seventh year came they didn't want to release them from the debt and God said hey you need to remember something you need to remember that one time you were in bondage and somebody came along and redeemed you and paid the debt and set you free and you need to return the favor and some of us if we're not careful the same thing can happen to us we can forget that at one time we were in bondage. I know there's some of you that think, well, God didn't have to take me out of anything. I grew up in church. My parents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. My great-grandparents were Christians. Hey, listen, it don't matter. There's dysfunction in every family. There's problems in every family. There's bondage in every family. We all need to be delivered. We all need to be set free. And like I said a little while ago, if it were not for the blood of Jesus, none of us would be sitting here this morning. And if we're not careful, we forget about what life was like before God delivered us. And before God set us free, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 6. He said, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality anybody seeing yourself in this list so far well hang on we're not done yet he said or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people now do you see yourself anywhere in that list before Christ transformed your life he said none of these will inherit the kingdom of God but listen to what Paul reminds us of he said, some of you were once like that. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, some of us used to be like that. And we don't need to forget that we used to be like that. We don't need to forget that we used to have bondage in our life. We don't need to forget that we had a time in our life when we didn't have it all together and still really don't have it all together. He said, some of you were like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I think somebody right now ought to offer up a shout of praise and thanksgiving that God has delivered you and God has set you free. It's only by the grace of God that any of us are here today. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. I can tell who God really brought out of some tough stuff by the way you're worshiping and praising him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank God for his delivering power. 
I thank God for freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ. I knew what my life was like before I met Jesus. I was on my way to hell. There was no hope for me whatsoever. If Christ would have returned, no doubt I would have busted hell wide open. But God, but God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish that way but could have eternal life. I'm grateful today for the love of God. I'm grateful today for the mercy of God. I'm grateful today for the grace of God and the love of God. Oh, somebody join me in being grateful in the house today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, I'm free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed, but I'm not free to do what I want to do. He brought me out that I might worship him, that I might serve him. But then there's a fourth picture. And I'm going to just scroll through a couple of passages of Scripture here. But there's a fourth picture in Passover that is so extremely important. And it's a picture of the power of God. Hmm. How many of you believe this morning that God has the power through the blood of Jesus to bring an end to your old way of life and the hope of a new beginning. That's what some of you need this morning. You need a new beginning. You need the hope. Because some of you are like, I guess what I did is going to be held against me for the rest of my life. And I just wish that I could get to a place to what I did when I was 15 or when I was 25 or when I was 35 or 45, that people weren't going to keep holding that against me. And you know what? You get that kind of hope because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? You don't, you don't have to live with that kind of condemnation in your life. You don't have to live with that kind of shame and that kind of guilt in your life. God has the power to help you start fresh. To help you start new. And he has the power to save through the blood of Jesus any who will come calling on his name, believing in their heart and confessing with their mouth. And he has the power to deliver and the power to set free. But I want you to see something here because when we look at the story of Passover, yes, it's a story of new beginning, yes, it's a story of salvation, and yes, it's a story of deliverance. But it's so much more than that. And if you don't get anything else that I've said this morning, I want you to get this. It is a story about God making himself known. It's a story about God making himself known. Because look at what it says. It says, on that same night, he said, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment, now look at this, on all the gods of Egypt. Now, you may have never been told this before, but you need to be told that when God sent the plagues on the nation of Egypt, he, he was not just sending Flies, gnats, and turning water into blood. And there, there was significance to this. Because with every plague, let me tell you what God was doing. This is so important. With every plague, God was dealing a death blow to one of the gods of Egypt. Now hear me, this is so important. With every plague, there was a purpose because every plague represented one of the gods that the Egyptians served. And with every plague, God's dealing a death blow to the gods of Egypt. Boom, boom. Now, if there would have just been one plague, the nation of Israel could have said, well, that's just one of our gods. We've still got eight or nine more gods that are so powerful. But God takes them one at a time, boom, 
boom, boom, boom, boom. Every God until he comes down to the final plague, which is the death of the firstborn. And let me tell you why there was the death of the firstborn. It's because every one of the gods of Egypt were worshipped because these Egyptians were expecting to get protection from these gods to live and not die. That it was their gods that they trusted in to sustain them, to strengthen them, to provide for them. And so God sends the death angel and he says, I'll show you who has the power, the real power of life and death. And he takes out every God of Egypt He said, I'm going to bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. And then he declares this, I am the Lord. Not the gods of Egypt. They cannot sustain you. They cannot provide for you. They do not hold the power of life and death. God said, I'll show you who the real God is by taking all your gods down. Mm. You know what? I believe that in this pandemic God is doing, God is taking down some of our gods that we have looked to sustain us and provide for us. And, 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 and gods that we've looked to literally as a matter of life and death. God is saying, listen, I'm going to use this season. I'm going to make myself known that when this thing is over, you're going to know who the real God is. You're going to know who the true God is. He said, I am the Lord. And then he goes on and says that the blood is going to be a sign for who? For you. Notice it wasn't a sign for God. God, it's not like God came down into Egypt and went to every house and said, no, this one don't have blood on it, so, so go ahead, death angel, or go to this. No, no, he said the blood is a sign for you, that when you see the blood, you will know that I am a faithful God. That when you see the blood, you will know that there is power in the blood for a new beginning, and there is power in the blood for salvation, and there is power in the blood for deliverance when you see the blood it will be a sign to you that the God that you serve is the true God of heaven and that there is nothing too hard for him that he is faithful to save and he is faithful to heal and he is faithful to deliver he said it will be a sign for you on the houses where you are and when I see the blood I will pass over you and then he goes on and says this day you are to commemorate your You're to commemorate this day. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Listen, we do. We take communion together as a church. We take a communion together as the body of Christ, as the family of God. But hear me today. This is something that you need to be doing with your family in your house on a regular basis. Because Passover... The blood, the body of Jesus is to be a witness that he's faithful and that he has the power to do what he says that he is going to do. And he said that from now on you are to commemorate, that you are to celebrate Passover. And if you go on to the next few passages of Scripture, he says that when you sit down with your family and you have the cup and you have the bread and your children look at you and say, what do these mean? Then you can tell them the story of redemption. You can tell them, honey, we used to be a family that was in bondage. We used to be a family whose lives were being destroyed by the enemy. We were a family of slaves to the enemy. But God, through the power of the blood of Jesus, redeemed us and delivered us. That's what this means. It gives you an opportunity to share the gospel. 
with your spouse, an opportunity to share the gospel with your children, an opportunity to remind them that we were once slaves. We were once in bondage. We were once on our way to hell. But God sent his son. Now listen to me. These Israelites on the night that they were to kill the lamb, they could have killed that lamb and they could have drained its blood and they could have had the blood right there in the bucket. And do you know what? The bucket could have been full of blood sitting on the front porch. And they would have still fallen under the judgment of the death of the firstborn. Why? Because they didn't apply the blood. You can know everything I'm talking to you about today. That there's power in the blood of Jesus to begin begin new. There's power in the blood of Jesus to be saved. There's power in the blood of Jesus to be delivered. You can know that. You can have all that knowledge. But you know what? It doesn't work until you apply it. And how do you apply it? Well, the Bible said they would take hyssop. And they stuck the hyssop in the blood. And the hyssop was like a brush. And they would take that brush and they would put it on the doorpost and the lintel. Let me tell you what I believe the hyssop could represent. Faith. Faith. For by faith are you saved. So see, what you've got to do is you've got to believe that everything Jesus did at the cross, he did it because he loves you and he did it for you. But you've got to do more than believe it. By faith, you've got to receive it. But pastor, you don't know what all I've done. You don't know the baggage. God could could never accept somebody like me. Oh, he already has. He already has. He's already accepted you. He's already accepted every one of us. The question is, have you accepted him and what he's done for you? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.